We'll turn back a few verses from where we were this morning, but we'll be back in chapter 1, chapter 1 at verse 35. You know, the book of Hebrews tells us that the children of Israel, back in the days of wandering there in the desert, uh, they had the word of God, but many did not have faith. <laughs> the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, there was not the mixing. That's to say, they heard it, but it wasn't mixed with faith. <laughs> and that was what led to their trouble. And so we always need that exhortation, right? To hear the word of God, take it in, but to receive it, receive it in faith, to trust the one who gives us the word. Mark chapter 1, this is at uh, verse 35, reading this paragraph here. It's our Lord Jesus doing ministry. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask now that you would be with us in your word and Please impart to us faith and teach us and lead us. Lord, our supreme purpose, really and truly our only purpose for being here, is to lift up your name and to glorify you. So we ask now, according to your grace and according to your mercies, that by your spirit you would be our guide and teacher, you would be the one to be our shepherd. We ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. One of the noteworthy patterns that you see in the life and the ministry and the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ is that it's a pattern where he will be about some instruction, so he's imparting teaching, he's imparting the Word of God, and then laced within that instruction and teaching, or sometimes just directly following, and it's this pattern of the Word and prayer, the Word and prayer. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. Some have suggested, some have suggested that John Calvin back in the 1500s, like, you know, again, if we were in Geneva, we were in the cathedral there where he preached, 1545, 1550, let's just call it right in the middle of his life. Uh, if we were going through the Genevan liturgy, the Genevan liturgy under Calvin, the congregational prayer always follows the preached word. So it's the word and then prayer. You have that in the life of the Lord Jesus. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. You've got the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. The Beatitudes, there's in the teaching on salt and light, for an example, many other points of instruction about the law, anger and adultery and things of that sort. And right in chapter 6, he just embeds it right in there, is teaching about prayer. And when you pray, remember that, and when you pray, he says not to be like the hypocrites and have long prayers and so on and so forth. And then he goes on to talk about the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray, say our Father. So he laces it right in there with the teaching. 
You go on over to John chapter 13. John 13, um, Bible teachers tell us that chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16 are referred to as the upper room discourse. It's a lengthy time of teaching, discourse, it's teaching. Jesus, that's why if you have a red letter Bible, it's just red everywhere, right? There's red all over the place in John 13 and following. Um, So you have John 13 to 16, a lengthy section in John of teaching, and then 17, he's in prayer. The word and prayer. The early apostles, the early apostles in Acts chapter 6, there was a, a practical need in the church there in Jerusalem, a very practical need. And they determined that they themselves as the apostles would not meet that practical need. They told the church there, you choose men among yourselves who can give themselves to this work. And then the apostles say, we have recorded for us in Acts 16, we're going to give ourselves to prayer and the word. It's a similar pattern in those two. They work hand in glove that way. You have it here in our passage in Mark chapter 1. It's this pattern. Verse 35, Jesus gets up very early for what? For prayer. Then he tells them in verse 38, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach. I may preach there also. There's the pattern, word and prayer, word and prayer. This happens to be that he's in prayer early for the day for his ministry. And there, I would say, there's an obvious link that he prays because he is going to go out and do ministry with the word. And he's going to be casting out demons and doing miracles. But the point is, he prays and it's linked in with his ministry of the word. And this pattern helps us to see why our Lord Jesus Christ, day by day, episode after episode, scene after scene, we're getting a clue as to what it is that carries him along, that fuels him, that fires his heart, that kindles his zeal for his Father and the purposes of his Father. What is it that carries him? It's reliance upon his Father. It's strength in his Father. It's his own living unto his Father. And tonight we're labeling it, it's his confidence. His confidence and his devotion and his reliance of serving his Father. So two lessons from this paragraph. We see his dependency and we see his staying on point. He stays on point. His dependency, verse 35, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Those are words of dependency. It says it's early in the morning. This means that he's he's cultivating diligence. It means he's cultivating preparation for the day, for what's to ensue in his day of ministry. And this passage, because he's devoted to his Father in prayer, it reminds us of his very human nature. His very human nature. He knows your needs. He knows your cares. He knows the little strength you have. 
He knows the weakness that you feel. He knows the fiery darts that would come from the enemy, the adversary, the accuser, the one who deceives, the liar, the father of all lies, right? Satan himself. He knows these things about us. He enters into our human nature. He himself is dependent upon his father. His confidence is there. He relies on his father. He came into the world. He came to the earth to carry out his father's will. He's bringing glory to his father's name, and it would all result in the salvation and the gift of salvation for us. So where is your confidence tonight? It cannot be in your frequency, in your heart's devotion, your confidence, your, your, your reliance, your steadfastness, your devotion to your Father uh, cannot be in you mustering and conjuring up the strength, you mustering that strength, and you going through the pattern yourself. No, no, no. You tell the Lord plainly, you tell him plainly, I am weak this morning, Lord. I am weak this, this afternoon, dear Father. Oh, Father, tonight, I'm, I'm, you, know, you say, I'm, I'm up here at 11 p.m. or 2 a.m., the point is, and as he brings your mind to prayer, you tell him where you're at, you tell him how you feel, you tell him all that's in your heart. He loves to hear his children speak. Isaiah tells us he knows the words that are upon our tongues even before we say them. But he delights in his, in his children. He delights in his sons and daughters. And this is Jesus himself who is our anchor point. You remember from Isaiah chapter 50, Jesus had his ear on his father. It's one of my favorite passages. It's just grown on me over the years. Isaiah chapter 50 at verse 4, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. Well, how does Jesus get that confidence? How does he know what to say? How does he know how to minister? Isaiah 50, 50 is one of those songs in Isaiah that we call, it's a messianic song. It's speaking about the coming one, the anointed one, the Christ who is to come. Where does Jesus get this confidence? It says here, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. <laughs> I tell you, you can take that home tonight, can't you? Wonderful promise of God explaining who our Savior is. Jesus wakes up early. And he wakes up early and his ear is on his father. Someone has done a study of all the places that we would presume. We only know it because Jesus quotes the scripture. We would presume that he read his Bible. I mean, did he carry around a scroll with him? We don't know, no, back in the day. But the point is, he, he referred to scripture. He's leaning on scripture. He would read scripture. We know he quoted scripture, right, when he was tempted in the wilderness. It is written. It is written. The point being is that he would turn his ear to his Father, the Word of God, knowing the Father, knowing the Word. He would turn his ear to his Father in terms of communing with his Father in prayer. 
I remember back in my seminary days working at the seminary bookstore. It was, a, it was a, really a very good seller back in the day. The book is called, I believe it's still in print, the book is called Ordering Your Private World. It's a book on prayer. It's a book on intercession. It's a book on fellowship with the Lord. It's a book on remembering our own weakness. It's a book on turning to the Lord who is our rock and our redeemer, ordering your private world. Jesus is ordering his world, rising up early, going to that desolate place, and he's there to pray. The Bible tells us in him is life. That's Jesus. In him is life, and that's to say we live in him, and that life is imparted to us. It's because we are united to him spiritually. And that's why we say he's our anchor point. He is our life. He is our confidence. And we long to be anchored to him to follow his ways in that dependency. A second one here now is staying on point. Staying on point. Verse 36. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Our Lord Jesus Christ is staying on point. Uh, Ben prayed for us this morning that we would keep the main thing the main thing. Mm -hmm. Demands abound for Jesus. Priorities pull at us. Urgent things get our attention. And our Savior here is speaking about staying on his purpose. Let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also. You see, throughout the Bible, there runs this bead of Scripture that the Father has his plan. That's to say, the Father has his purpose for the world, that there would be this one who would come, the coming king, the Lord Jesus Christ, and upon whose shoulders would be the government. He is the king. And the Lord Jesus Christ, you see, with him coming into the world, the onset of his kingdom is now at hand. And here is our obedient king who stays on point. His hand stays fixed to the needful thing at hand. Now look at verse 37. Don't think to yourself that he could handle all kinds. No, don't think to yourself, well, it was easy for him. What I mean easy is he has demands upon him. Verse 37, everyone is looking for you. That's put in there not only to tell us about his renown, the fact that he's making the impact in Galilee. Absolutely. He's son of man, son of Lord, son of God. But the fact of the matter is the demands that are all at hand. He, he, it was needful and necessary for him to stay on point, to stay on purpose. Everyone's looking for you. You see, it suggests that people are seeking to set their plan for him, seeking to set up their calendar for him. But he stays on point. Let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also. Staying on point is seeking God and his plan. That's where we live. Staying on point, keeping the main thing the main thing, is to say, Father, you are my Father. Your plan is good and gracious and all wise. 
I want your plan for me, your plan. You bring the correction, you bring the counsel. You give me faith, you give me an eagerness to be taught, to be instructed. You make me, Father, teachable. Steve Farrar, his, his book called God Built, that's to say he builds and crafts his children, his people, God Built. Providence is God's execution of his plan in your life and in the entire universe. His execution of his plan, that's providence. The sovereignty of God means that he is king and he has absolute control over all things. We keep the main thing, the main thing. We stay on point by that focus, by submitting ourselves, if the Lord wills, we say. According to strength and grace that you impart to me, Father, instruct me and make my heart supple and my conscience tender. May my ear be on you, Father. That's to say, staying on point is to stay on the Lord. And once again, the Lord Jesus Christ is being faithful in his stewardship that's been imparted to him. His ministry of the word is faithful and timely and on point. point. He's about building up those who are in need. And that's why he puts it in this language that let us go. It's I'm going, you're going with me. Let us go to the next towns. I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. This is my purpose for coming. And he determines then to carry out in that devotion and sincerity of heart to live in faith unto his father and to step out in faith and keep the main thing the main thing. I close with these words that the Lord Jesus Christ, he continues to pray and to serve for us. Hebrews chapter 5. Speaking of Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, And was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Jesus prayed in his days of his ministry. And the Bible tells us, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Wonderful promises here. We know this from Romans 8, right? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand of God and doing what? Who intercedes for us. He's praying for us right now. He's serving on our behalf right now. You can be anchored this evening in confidence and in devotion and sincerity and resolve, committing faithfulness unto him, that heartfelt devotion and zeal and fervor unto him because he himself is first anchored. He is almighty God in the flesh, come for us to die for our sins, be raised on the third day, And now he gives us that practical impartation. He's 
he, he communes with us in that he's praying for us. He is our anchor. That pattern that we must follow, the word and prayer, the word and prayer, prayer and the word, prayer and the word, comes from Jesus Christ. And he's eager to give us that good gift to follow him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do live and move and have our being in you. By your Son and of your Spirit, we would ask, O Lord, that uh, there would be that continual reliance upon you because you first have loved us and has served us. Give us your grace, we ask. And take your word and may we know your abiding favor upon us. You will never leave us, never forsake us. And the strong voice of our Savior who prays, what a joy that is, what gladness we have of heart, who prays for us. And so strengthen us, O Lord. We thank you for lessons tonight. We thank you for the gospel tonight. We thank you for the Lord Jesus tonight. And we pray your abiding presence here, even as we continue to worship and commune with you, our God and Savior, in Jesus' name. Amen.